My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I shall not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean in Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. You ever been asked where you're from based on how you act? <laughs> Look at your neighbor and help me preach. Just ask the question, where are you from? <laughs> you ain't from around these parts. You ever been there? My name is Michael Dushan Satterfield. I'm from San Antonio, Texas, the youngest of three siblings born to Wilbur and Luberta Satterfield, raised in the fear and admonition of the Lord, Amen. saved and baptized at the age of 10 where you walked an aisle from the back row where all good youth sat, <laughs> stood in front of God and everybody and they put a mic in front of your face and asked for what reason did you come to this chair. I also surrendered to preach the gospel at the University of Texas at Austin took them horns at the age of 18 years. And then I was licensed to preach. Yes, Lord? Did y'all hear the emergency broadcast network go off? I guess I'm supposed to preach today. I see. Licensed to preach at St. Philip's Missionary Baptist Church at the age of 20 under the leadership of the right reverend pastor Ronald K. Brown. And here's what I was taught where I'm from. I was taught that only ordained ministers can walk behind the church pulpit because it's a sacred desk. I'm dating myself now. Some of y'all the pulpit. That's <laughs> never been. Yeah. Being sacrilegious was never a part of the equation because that's not what we did where I'm from. I was taught not to eat until everybody has been served. I was taught not to eat before you say grace, because stuff in your face in front of hungry people before you thank God for the food is not what we do where I'm from. I was taught not to be selfish. Example, we grew up cutting the whole chicken into pieces in order to prepare it to feast. None of that go to the store and have pre-cut piece shenanigans. My cutting skills would always produce unidentifiable chicken pieces. <laughs> my mother would serve my father the choicest pieces of chicken first, then she'd serve my older brother and my sister, then myself, and she would always eat last, Quail Creek, 
I thought she liked chicken backs. <laughs> the least amount of meat you can find on the chicken was on the back. Come to find out years later, my mom likes wings and breasts. <laughs> but she made sure everybody else ate before she put fork to mouth. She taught us being selfish is not what we do where I'm from. I was taught don't leave the table until everything is eaten. Where the youth at? Where the children? My mom and I would have staring contests because I didn't like vegetables as a child. Because leaving stuff on the plate and not being appreciative of what was served is not what we did where I am from. I was taught that men don't get in cars and open doors to buildings without letting a woman go in first. I was taught you don't put hands physically on a woman because being violent to the opposite sex and being discourteous to them is not what we did where I'm from. I was taught that the whole neighborhood cared and loved and was concerned for one another and that you, if you misbehave, would get a beaten by a neighbor and when your mama and them found out. <laughs> Whooping number two and three and four and five because misbehaving without discipline is not what we did where I'm from. I was taught to respect my elders by saying, yes, sir, no, sir. Yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. Because being disrespectful is not what we do where I'm from. I was caught to pull your pants up and wear a belt. <laughs> All the way to the waistline. Because intentionally sagging your britches is not what we did where I am from. The last little tidbit about me, I was taught always put a quarter in your pocket before you leave home in case of emergency so that you could use a payphone. And I'm still dating myself. And here's what I'm calling on us to understand. Where are you from? And will people be able to recognize who you are based on where you're from? All the things I was taught are worthy principles to live by, not empty rhetoric that should be ignored. Even the antiquated, outdated, keep a quarter in your pocket old adage since we got cellular phones now, and we must make sure they stay charged in case of emergency. Yet today, I stopped by on my way to heaven through the church at Quell Creek in Amarillo, taking in the aromatherapy of the cow pasture and thus and such. I love your pastor. Hey, April. I love April and the family. But your pastor had me outside having a full conversation about theology in the midst of the atmosphere and increase my prayer life. <laughs> here, here, here's the challenge. I got an imperative biblical word. It comes from a locale greater than the Satterfield House and St. Philip's Missionary Baptist Church of San Antonio, Texas. I have a word from the Lord, not about him, but from him, and it's an urgent message that comes directly from the almighty written text of the Holy Epistle penned by one named Simon Peter and inspired not by me, myself, I, or Peter, but by the Holy Spirit. 
Let the church say amen. amen. It's a crucial message. It's an admonition housed in a letter from the Word of God written by someone we should pattern our lives after who followed the greatest teacher of all times, Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, Second Peter. Chapter 1, there's a word from the Lord. And in verses 16 through 21, we need to take an exploratory journey to find out where you're from. The Scripture says, For we did not follow clever contrived myths when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Instead, we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. In 2 Peter 1, 27, or 17, it says, For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, a voice came to him from the majestic glory, who is God. This is my son. I delight in him. And we heard this voice when it came from heaven while we were with him on the holy mountain. So we have the prophetic word strongly confirmed. You will do well to pay attention to it as to a lamp shining in a dismal place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in their hearts. First of all, you should know this. No prophecy of Scripture comes from one's own interpretation because no prophecy ever came by the will of man. Instead, men spoke from God as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Here in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 16, a clause, Peter says, we don't follow cleverly devised myths and empty rhetoric, because that's not what we do where I'm from. The Word shares with me I'm in the family of God when I testify that Jesus came in the form of a servant in the likeness of man and humbled himself to death on an old rugged cross, and by his stripes I retain healing from that which is cow pasture aromatherapy. The stench of the world cannot fall upon my garment because I have the righteousness of the heavenly Father, and I'm robed in the only begotten, and I'm bought with a price I'm no longer my own, and my life has been made brand spanking new because of the King of kings and the Lord of lords having favor and touching me with a finger of pity. Anybody? Get a clue where I'm from? This means somebody is guilty in our midst of teaching, believing, and following what the apostle, what the disciple, what the author of this letter, this epistle, what the servant of the Most High, Jesus Christ, Simon Peter, clearly spells out as false teaching from the evil, sinful world we are called to live in, watch this, but not be representative of. I could tell where you're from by the way you carry yourself by the way you talk, by the way you act, by the things that you do, and that which you permit by not saying a word. Peter wrote this letter inspired by the Holy Spirit of God to those who shared his faith in Christ, who delivers all who believe in and follow him from teachings and attitudes and actions of depraved humanity. And he's warning us, if you need a title for 2 Peter chapter 1, 16 through 21, to be alert to stay woke, which is the vernacular of our young generation, and to pay attention to what is the right way versus the wrong way to live. Hence, 
we must choose the right way because our life depends on it. We must choose the right way because living by false teaching from the evil sinful world is not what we do in the family of God as born-again believers adopted and baptized into the kingdom of our Creator through trusting in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior who knows that worldly wrong living is not what we do where we're from. And I see too much in the Americas that does not represent what this word is declaring we must uphold because we're acting like where we're really from and the world is watching to see the truth that sets men free. And I dare to venture that a whole lot of us are not representing the truth well. I didn't want to get a whipping by myself, so I'm just throwing that out there. If the shoe fits, put the moccasin on. Peter had to hear from Jesus in prayer aloud what is captured in John chapter 17, verse 14 through 15, verse 17, verse 20, and verse 22, which records Jesus saying to God in prayer, modeling before us what we ought to do where we're from, I have given them, the disciples, the apostles, Peter included, your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world. They've been bought with a price no longer their own to be removed from what the world represents. They're no longer like the world as I am not like the world, says Jesus the Lord. My prayer is not that they are taken out of the world, but here's the prayer, that they are protected from the evil one, that they are alert, that they are woke, that they are paying attention to what is wrong with us so that we can do what is right in the presence of God. As I look at this, Jesus says, my prayer is that you sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Say that with me. God's word is truth. And when we have that, my prayer is not for them alone, but check this out. It's for the people at the church at Quail Creek who meet on October 8, 2017, into October 9, so that October 10 may be impactful. I got the whole weekend covered on y'all just because last night you dropped it like it's hot and shook what your mama gave you in order to be here on time to sing, On Christ the Solid Rock I Stand. And it was shaky ground on the 8th of October all day long. The word challenges me because he says, I've given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. What is this glory, Mike Satterfield? Here it is. The glory is atonement. It's to be made at one with the one you've been separated from since birth. It is redemption for those who are lost and far from a peaceful shore. It is reconciliation for those who've grown up in the church but have departed from its teaching, believing it doesn't take all that, or waiting until the staff is fully full before you sign your name on the roster. I brought my own amen preach Mike. Peter has already warned his target audience in verse 4. Listen to this of 2 Peter 1. By these he has given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may share in the divine nature, escaping the corruption that is in the world because of its evil desires. Who do you look like? 
how do you act? And if I were to put you in a lineup, would the world be able to say, that's holiness? Or would they be able to point a finger and say, that's holiness, based on your activity? From the house, to the stoplight, to the Walmart, and that cubicle where you work. And even in the church, in the parking lot, I was driving out of our parking lot at our assembly on Wednesday night, and a guy walked in front of the car who I knew, and I rolled down the window and said, hey, you better watch where you're going, just teasing. Lord have mercy what came out of his mouth because he didn't know it was me until I stepped out of the car and said, hey, brother, I was just trying to let He pointed me to Jesus. <laughs> Fresh from Bible study. <laughs> We're number one. And he chose a finger. Let me get back to this challenge. <laughs> who, who are you? How do you act? In verse 4, we see the glory of the excellence of Christ and the great and precious promises he has given us that enable us to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption and evil human desires. What are you telling us? We must guard our lives from teaching that contradicts what Christ says and models. How? By staying alert, by staying woke, by paying attention to what thus said the Lord. Nursery rhymes won't do. By what thus said the old adages won't help. By what thus said the wives' tales won't do you. Just put some dirt on it, you'll be all right. Take a little sip of 7-Up and that'll calm you. You know the stuff we learn from where we're from. God says, there's more! Then meets the eye, and we shall never settle for less than God's best. Man doesn't live by bread alone or by salt grass that we ate last night, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of Mike Satterfield. <laughs> Not from <laughs> the word that comes through chocolate thunder from God. <laughs> that we fixed it, we fixed it, we fixed it. Can I spell it out? Because y'all are looking at me like a calf at a brand new gate. No pun intended on the aroma of the... Here it is. Let me spell the problem out. Peter warns us to watch for. The world is corrupt with false teaching that promotes to be put on a pedestal should be our aim in life. But that's a far fall when somebody finally pedestals you. Where the men at? And she said she was the next best thing since Bluebell ice cream until you forgot to put out the trash. Then you were trifling and low down and dirty and good for nothing. Y'all not, that's me. Okay. The, the world says to possess uncontested power is a worthy goal. But pride goes before fall and a haughty spirit before destruction. The world says greed is admirable. Undeserved, unearned entitlement is permissible. Where the millennials, y'all? I'm still by myself. Being prideful should be upheld. Selfishness is key in a dog-eat-dog -dog society. Being covetous is encouraged. Gossip is unapologetically spread at the beauty salon and the barbershop. And the word shows me blame is always cast on somebody else. It wasn't my fault. I didn't do it. The woman you gave me. This is old as the Garden of Eden. Y'all got a few minutes to work with me through this? The world says to us that we are to be spiritual draft dodgers. 
That means that when the Lord says, who will go for me and who can I send, you will say, I ain't going. I'm dodging that bullet. We become classroom chalkboard avoidance participants, accepting the norm in both secular and sacred environments. When asked who will identify, dismiss the cleverly devised myths that you have bought into, that you have believed and you pass on, most will hide their face unashamedly. YOLO, you only live once. Might as well join them if you can't beat them. I'm relativistic, preacher. If it feels good, do it. It's my party. I can cry if I want to. I'm just this way. <laughs> Jealous, hateful, prejudiced, lustful, hot-headed, fearful. Bless you. You got to get all that out. It's toxic. Come on, sneeze it out. Because the word through Peter, who joins Jesus, says, this is not who I am, and this is not what I do where I am from. What makes Peter our go-to authority preacher on what to appreciatively live by and what to avoid in this quest to stay alert, to stay woke, to stay attentive? I'm not talking about being petty. You know how we get, you mean you wear t-shirts to bed and not pajamas? It's not what I do where I'm from. I'm not talking about that pettiness. I'm not talking about you saying, you mean you don't shower at night? You wait till the morning to shower? That's not what I do. I'm not saying that we ought to be that. You mean you eat bluebell out the whole gallon carton with one spoon double dipping? That's not what I do where we're from. I'm not saying be petty. I'm talking about something greater. I'm talking about something that's irrevocable. I'm talking about something that is eternally necessary. It is spiritually significant, and this is the challenge we have in the Word. Look at it, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 16. It says, for we did not follow cleverly contrived myths, the B clause. Instead, we were eyewitnesses of Christ's majesty. Here's what's going on. Peter was an eyewitness of Christ's majesty and personally saw the power of the Lord Jesus manifest in his miracles. That confirmed it for him. That was what the apostle needed. And another apostle, another disciple who was knocked off his beast of pride on a Damascus road, whom we know as Paul converted from Saul in 1 Corinthians 3.11 to teach y'all. If I can't preach, I can rap. The Word says, no one can lay a foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ, Him crucified, resurrected. On Christ the solid rock I stand. Everything else is uncivilized, all other ground. You tried it? Sinking sand. I've tried to stabilize myself on some other people's philosophies, on my academic prowess, on my good looks. And then I kept eating the bluebell with the one spoon. Because <laughs> you can't get this size on celery stick and rice cake. <laughs> Somebody today is saying, he's a lot stronger than he was the last time. That's bluebell. <laughs> Country. And this word tells me that I've got to be careful. I've got to be alert. I've got to be woke. I have to be attentive. And the Messiah who saves us from our sin-sick soul and from a sin-filled world and from ourselves is the one who secures all of us by faith 
on Christ, the solid rock. Here's the deal. Uh, true faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. I don't know where else you've rested your faith. I don't know where you're putting all your weight, 401k. I don't know what you're relying on, my pookie from high school. I don't know what it is that you have been trusting in, but the Word of God says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own clever understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. And here's where the promise comes. He says, I will direct your path even when America is divided, even when leadership is faulty. God says, I got you. Greater will I be in you than he that's in the world. You know what that means for Mike Satterfield? I ain't scared. The Lord is on my side. And no weapon formed against us will prosper where I'm from when the Lord is on your side. I love this because I see here clever stories do not secure Christian faith. Peter's faith, like all true faith, is founded on historical facts and divinely inspired instruction, not cleverly derived myths. Peter saw the majesty of the glory of God in Jesus Christ, the incarnate Word of God. The Word became flesh, made His dwelling among us, that we would behold Him and stand in the wonder of His great love. And His love, here it is, covers a multitude of sin and casts out all fear. Anybody need that reminder today? Anybody got a suspender and a belt on? That's extra security. And I'm not dogging anybody in that predicament because I'd be one. I'm saying we've got a greater force that will hold us up on every leaning side. Anybody fretful on where the next paycheck is coming from? You got more months left in money, and it's just the beginning of October? Y'all don't want to be honest. The Word says... Peter saw something, and it was at a transfiguration. And it was not just him looking at it and saying, okay. He was cooperated. That's my big word for the year. He had other witnesses, James and John. And three in witness becomes confirmation in the Word. And so, here it is, verse 17 through 19. It says to us, for when he received honor and glory from God the Father, Jesus, a voice came from heaven and said, from majestic glory, this is my beloved son. I take delight in him because he acts like where he comes from. Can God say that about you? This is my son. That's my daughter in whom I'm well pleased because they act just like me. My daddy gets proud because I'm a sadder field. And where I come from, there are sadder whites. And, and my name gets interchanged. I don't know how you get Satter White out of Satterfield, but it happens all the time. But in San Antonio, Texas, where I'm from, Satter Whites are notorious for being scoundrels. I hope you can folk in here. For being those who are dastardly in their deeds. Satterfields are known for being hardworking, drop-dead gorgeous, and... <laughs> Somebody should have said amen. That was your, that was your moment. Y'all went right past that and said, help him, Jesus. Here's the thing. My father refused to allow us to be called Satter White because that's not our name. We're Satterfields. So, preacher, what can you brag on on the solid rock? I can tell you this. I'm a C. 
You're a what? I'm a C-H. A who? A C-H-R-I-S-T-I-A-N. And I got C-H-R-I-S-T and my H-E-A-R-T and now L-I-V-E-E-T-E-R-N-A-L-L-Y. If you flunked the third grade, this is what I said. <laughs> I'm a Christian and I got Christ in my heart. And where I'm from, I'm returning to because I will live eternally with the great I am. I love it. So he was an eyewitness. You need to write that down. He saw something. And when you are alert, when you are woke, when you're attentive, God's Word gets you illumination. Because that is what we do where we're from. We look for the light in all the dark places of the world. We look both intellectually and spiritually for enlightenment, because that's what we do where we're from. Jesus is called the morning star because Scripture, like a lamp at night, it only anticipates a greater light bringer who shines the prophecy and then fulfills it. That's awesome right there. The light comes greater than a lamp light because it outshines what the lamp light does because it fulfills what the lamplight was supposed to do. Jesus has come as the morning star. Do you need him? It's been dark in your world, and you need him to light it up. It's been dank in your environment, and you need the light of the world to shine brightly. In the midst of confusion, in the midst of chaos, let your light shine. Men will see good works, God, and they will glorify who gets the glory, and that's you who are God in heaven. When you're woke, you get illumination. Say illumination. When you're alert, you get illumination. Say illumination. When you pay attention to the Word of God, you get illumination. Say illumination. If that was it, I'd be a happy black brother, but that's not it. There's more. When you are alert, woke, attentive to God's Word, you don't only get illumination. Here's what 2 Peter says. You also get revelation to derive meaning from God's Word, not clever myths, because that is what we do where I'm from. Verse 20 says it this way, first of all, you should know this, no prophecy of Scripture comes from one's own interpretation. What are you saying? We look for God's disclosure of Himself, His will to His creation, especially when things are dismal, divisive, and confusing all around us. Peter personally saw the glory of Christ, and then he personally heard the voice of God, and here's the revelation. God vouched for Jesus, his son. He stepped out of glory and said, that's my child. He spoke from the heavenlies and said, this is my son and whom I'm well pleased. I love that because I flew to South Africa, and in my flight, we landed. This is years ago, and as we landed, I'm asleep on the back of the vessel, and the other missionaries had already exited. So I came to and woke up and recognized the plane was empty, made my way to the door, and two South African guards said, Ho! and lowered their machine weaponry. Now, I'm from the hood of San Antonio, Texas, originally, and I didn't know why I had to halt. So I'm having this discussion with them why I got to halt. I didn't say it out loud. This was all going on. (laughs) I saw the South African jail. But what happened was the other missionaries began to count, and they recognized the pepper was missing from the salt. (laughs) You'll catch that tomorrow. Ask pastor what that means after church. 
And they were uno, dos, three, where the pepper? And then they turned around and they saw me. And they said, hey, what are you doing? He's with us. And the South African guards recognized that I was not a black South African, I was a black American. And they raised the guns and I walked through with swag. Then I ran a little bit, <laughs> just a little bit, to catch up with the group. Here's the deal, if today is it, and you stand before the guards of heaven, and they say, Hope, what you gonna say? Hey, uh, I'm supposed to be here. I went to Quail Creek one Sunday. I put a dollar in the offering plate. I'm American. Can I get, I, I believe in church. I grew up there. No. Wouldn't it be wonderful if Jesus at the right-hand side of the Father didn't allow you to say a word because he stands and records in heaven, hey, what are you doing? He or she's with us. And you can walk through the pearly gates with swag because you didn't have to say a word. Your life showcased you belong to the risen Savior who's in the world today. And what you do, where you from, is rely on him to speak on your behalf. Ooh, glory to God. When I'm alert, when I'm woke, when I'm attentive to the word of God, Old Testament prophecy looked forward to the glorious return of Christ as it looked forward to the initial incarnate arrival of Christ. Therefore, we must trust the word of God as believers till we see Christ face to face and when we do that, we discover each of the prophetic foreshadowings came to pass. Do you look forward to Christ's return? Are you ready right now? Will you say, go back, I hadn't had my first kiss? Oh, there are people like that in the world. Will you say, come now, Jesus, or hold on, I need to get my house in order, and I want to make sure that the decor is like it needs to be when he arrives, and I'll put my Bible back on the Okay, y'all, <laughs> they're not participating with me fast. I'm all right. Here's the thing. <laughs> yeah, the epilusis, and that is a Greek word for interpretation, which means unloosing of the revelation of the word comes from God through both his written word and his incarnate word, Christ. From the word written, Holy Scripture, and the example of it lived out in the person of Jesus. Peter teaches us that the best defense against false teaching is true living. The best defense. False teachers with their counterfeit Christianity find it easy to seduce people who do not know the Word of God. Warren Worsby, who pens a commentary on 2 Peter, says, and I quote, it is a dangerous thing to build on subjective personal experience alone and ignore objective unbiased revelation from Scripture. He asked the Christian who knows what he believes and why he believes it will prevent himself and herself from being seduced by false teachers and their devious doctrines. Here's what's fortunate. We can depend on the Word of God because it's not an opinion. This ain't the holy hint or the great suggestion. It's the great command. And Peter says, be alert. Peter says, wake up. Be woke. And Peter says, pay very close attention. We can be saved through the living word. 1 Peter 1, 23 through 25. Can I read that? 
I'm trying to hurry, but my soul is happy. First Peter 1, 23 says, Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. Keep reading. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like a flower of grass. The grace with, or grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures for how long? forever. It could be trusted. We are saved through the Word, and we are nurtured by the Word. First Peter chapter 2, 1 and 2 says, so rid yourselves of all malice in the world, all deceit, all hypocrisy, all envy, all slander. You notice worldly folks say, I don't go to church because they're hypocrites. God says, here's the answer. Stop being hypocritical. True living will be a remedy for the world's accusation against Quail Creek. Church ought to be full. We ought to be lowering people through the roof on mats because of your testimony in the streets and around the globe. The Bible says that we are to be those when we rid ourselves of all those things of the world who are like newborn infants who desire pure spiritual milk so that you may grow by it for your salvation. You can be nurtured on this Word as you're saved by this Word. And another thing, you can likewise be protected and guided by the Word. Matthew 5, 18. I got to run to it. I know it's in here. I read it before. Here it is, 5, 18. I'm using Pastor Kyle's sword, so I got to find it. For I assure you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one of the smallest letters or one stroke of a letter will pass from the law until it is all accomplished. Peter personally saw this to be true. He personally heard that it was so. And then he personally walked in the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecy, returning to God, refuting manufactured stories and mere human speculations. And this was the problem in the text. People were saying the kingdom would not come. And I hear a lot of that now. What's wrong with us? America's doomed. We're not going to make it. What? Do you know the God I serve? He's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we could ask, think, or imagine. He's all-powerful. He's almighty. He is in defeatable. He is omnipotent, omniscient. He's omnipresent. He is my all and my all, a bridge over troubled waters. He's the first and the last, the alpha and omega. Somebody better get on this train. He is a way maker, a mind regulator, prince of peace, and he's on my side. I cheated. I read the end of the book. We win. We win. Why do we act like we don't? when we've got the Word of the living God as a lamp to feet and a light to pathway. I got one more thing to tell you, and I got to take my seat. In the face of manufactured stories and mere human speculations and false teaching, when we are alert, when we're woke, when we're attentive to the Word of God, as Peter warns us to be, you don't just get illumination, say illumination. You don't just get revelation, shout revelation. You also get inspiration. Shout inspiration. That's verse 21 in 2 Peter chapter 1. It says, because no prophecy ever came by the will of man, here's where it came from, where I'm from. Men spoke from God as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. What will change Quell Creek 
and revolutionize the community when you let go and let God have his way. Amen. When you don't show up on your terms with your agenda, but when you make it your way instead of your way. It ain't your way, because this ain't Burger King-style living. It is Yahweh. And when you do his way, he makes a way out of no way, and he brings you to the place where you have life and life to the full. Anyone? That's what you're after. And every myth you followed, every lie you bought into has left you empty-handed. All the things you relied upon, you find, have been sinking sand. The divine authority from the divine author of the Holy Spirit who controlled Peter, Scripture's human author, says to us we cannot interpret Scripture correctly without the Holy Spirit who inspired its writing because that's not what we do where we're from. It's impolite to put words in someone else's mouth, especially in the mouth of God. So, no prophecy of Scripture comes from self-interpretation nor from the will of man, because that's not what we do, where I'm from. Instead, men spoke from God, moved by the Holy Spirit. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 3, and we'll bring this train into the train station. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 through 9, it's highlighted in Pastor's Bible. But know this, difficult times will come in the last days. Have you all experienced that at Quail Creek? A little difficulty, a little monkey wrench thrown in your progress. Don't look at me in that tone of voice. <laughs> Anybody been going through it? Anybody sitting next to the problem? Don't look at them. Blink at me if you know. <laughs> For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. <clears throat> <clears throat> ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, slanderers without self-control, brutal without love for what is good, traitors, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to the form of godliness but denying the power of the Holy Spirit thereof. The doorposts ought to shake in this worship. Folk ought to be calling 911 because Quell Creek is on fire right now. You've got to avoid these people. Be alert. You've got to be woke. You've got to pay attention, for among them are those who worm their way into households and capture idle women burdened down with sins, led along by a variety of… Have y'all been reading your Bible? This is better than scandal. This is us, that is we, and all the other things you Tebow and record. This is better than desperate housewives. This is good to the last drop. You ought to open the book. Amen. It's reliable, sharper than a two-edged sword, able to divide soul, spirit, bone, and marrow, reaches into the intent of who you are, and this ain't good English, but it's good preaching, and to the who you ain't. The Word shares with me, they're always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. And so, that's not you they'll not make further progress, for their lack of understanding will be clear to all, as theirs was also. The Word says to me, Peter assures that the gospel is what we need. Amen. It's the power of God's salvation to them who believe. The gospel does not need an additive or preservative to help it out. 
it would be as foolish as trying to protect a lion. You don't get in a lion cage to help Simba. You just let Simba go. He protects himself. Why are you trying to fix the word and flower it up and febreze it? When the word has what it needs to accomplish what it's to accomplish, and Jesus sends it, God sends it, the majesty of the Trinity sends it so that it goes forth and never comes back empty-handed. Help me, God. I'll finish this way. Peter assures us we need the gospel to illumine, to bring revelation, and to bring inspiration this Sunday for you to get off blessed assurance and come to an altar to say, I believe the myth. For you to rise and come from the balcony to the front row and say, you know what? I'm not acting like where I'm from. You need to make up your mind to see God high and lifted and the train of his glory fill the temple. Check this out. He assures us the gospel because when we look at the world system and how false and corrupt it is, we actually see a picture of the spiritual condition of our hearts. We're pointing the finger at the wrong somebody. Look at them. What's wrong with that? And why can't they? And Obama and Trump, and we throw all of these blame games. And God says, what about you? Any parents in the room? Anybody? Y'all don't want to protect? (laughs) They think it's a setup. We cleared that up already. Here here it is. Anybody discipline their kids? Anybody want first-time obedience? You tell them clean that room, you don't mean to tell them 16 times. You mean do it right. Now, I do that at my house. Clean your room. (laughs) Father, we want to do a study on cleanliness. We like to have a seven-week prayer vigil. (laughs) What it looks like to really be clean as you are instructing us. And I say with a Francis Chan and some others, here's what you do. Clean your room while you do a Bible study and have a seven-week vigil. Do it right. And you know who taps me on the shoulder? God. I'm like, hold on, I'm trying to train these heathens. (laughs) And the way they should go, I'm in the book, but I turn it a little bit. They act just like they mama side of the family. You ever (laughs) tell them? And God says, wait a minute, when are you going to obey me first time? Maybe today. It ain't a bad donut you ate, it's the spirit saying, repent and bend the knee. Well, I've never done. Repent for those who have and get to the altar of sacrifice lane. Hear me, hear me. (laughs) We got a heart problem that makes us believe cleverly devised myths instead of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We ought not try to find the best book on Lifeway, and I love Lifeway. I'm not trying to tell you don't go to the bookstore. But I'm telling you, when are you going to just do this book? When are you going to live out the truth as it's written without you putting your spin on it? Here's what I'm saying. We actually see a picture of our heart. No matter the advancement in technology, the human heart is still wicked. And all our improvements in technology have not improved our lives. Hear me. Warren Worsby concludes, medical science enables people to live longer, but there's no guarantee that they will live better. 
Modern means of communication only enable lies to travel faster. Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat. A jet plane enables us to get places faster, but we don't have better places to go. Hurricane Harvey made Hurricane Lydia, Irma, and Jose mad. They're all chasing him. Now Nate is on the prowl. Y'all not with me. And God says, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. The things of earth grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. So here's your take-home assignment. I'm watching your response and how you act this Sunday morning. And I got to ask, where are you from? Every head bowed. And as you bow, somebody's saying, I hear you. I didn't grow up in church, preacher. I didn't come from a good home. Nobody helped me cut up chicken. And I've only known, believed, and shared cleverly devised myths from lost and evil world filled with lost and evil men. My background is tattered and tainted. I hear somebody else saying, I grew up in church, but have advanced with my modern technology. But from hearing this word, my heart is still wicked. Technology preacher has improved, and I thought I may be beyond needing God. But this morning, I'm so desperate because my life hasn't improved. I have some good news with your heads bowed. If any man be in Christ, this October 9th becomes a brand new day whereby you can be a brand new creature. The old is gone and all things have become brand spanking new if any man be in the family of God through the person of Jesus Christ. You can be alert and stay alert with illumination. You can be awakened and stay awakened with revelation. You can be attentive and stay attentive with inspiration when your hope is built on nothing less. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray you grab the heart of those who would say, we're surrounded by such a stench that we're so familiar that we don't get alarmed and we don't bring the aroma of royalty into its midst. It's just Amarillo. You're going to have that breeze come through every now and then. That's no excuse for us not to see your illumined word, revelation clear, to be inspired to do something and be who you've called us to be. Because that's what we do where we're from. Speak now. In this crowd, as your heads are bowed in Jesus' name, and you're saying, man, I've, 
I've not been around this godly stuff, and I didn't think I could be able to approach. And God is saying, come, I want to awaken you to a life that is far more abundant than what you've been experiencing. And you need that this Sunday, wherever you are. You would say, I don't have a relationship with this one who can stand and vouch for you at the right-hand side of the Father. But I want to. I want to have a right relationship with the one who atones, who reconciles, who redeems, who buys me off the auction block of my sinful ways that I would have a right to the tree of life. I need life, and I'm broken, and I'm busted, I'm disgusted. But today is the day I want to make a stand for what is the right way to live. If that's you, just raise your hand. I want to do this right, and I've been far too wrong for far too long. Raise it high. You just admit it. I see you. Somebody else, you know, it's just been foul in my life, and I have been caught up in the division and the confusion. I've been a part of the toxin, and I've not sneezed it out. I've identified the wrong enemy when I got to deal with my heart. Somebody else, you're saying, been around church all my life, but today I'm drawing a line in the sand, and I'm going to be a part of the solution that counters falsehoods false activities. I want to be God's change agent. And in the number when the saints go marching in, I want him to say, that's my son, that's my daughter in whom I'm well pleased. But today you're going to be honest and admit he's not well pleased with you. I'm calling you from your road to the altar to bend the knee to say, God, fix what's broken so that we may be the house of God that can claim where we come from is the place of being wrapped up, tied up, and tangled up in you. So as we are led in worship and song, I'm going to ask the congregation to stand, but if God is picking on you in love, he doesn't want you to stay parked in a no parking zone. He wants you to be alert, and you haven't been. He wants you to be woke, and you've been asleep. He wants you to be attentive, and you've been distracted. Anybody distracted? all stand, and as God is speaking, you come to the altar. Pastor and leadership will be down here to pray with you, to encourage you to not leave this Sunday from Quail Creek the same way you came in. Bring your issues to the altar. Bring your crisis. Bring the more month left in money dynamic that has caused you to fret and fear. Bring your relationship. Bring your weariness your woundedness, lay it at the altar, and let's watch God do a miracle today that will not allow you to stay the same way you've always been.